Well, welcome everybody. Good morning, and uh, thanks for gathering today. Everybody watching online and at Montrose, thanks for gathering together as well. And it's, uh, it's great to hang out. A couple weeks ago, uh, started a new series, and then uh, Pastor Joe built on that. Uh, our son got married last weekend, so we have a beautiful new daughter-in-law, Paige, and we're excited to welcome her in the family. Thank you. <clears throat> yeah, and I'm, uh, I told my son, I said, like, you better marry that girl before she comes to her senses. So uh, we're, we're excited about that. It was fun. So Pastor Joe stepped in, um, and then I want to pick it up uh, this weekend. In this series that, uh, that we're calling First Things First, we're talking about new ideas for a meaningful life. So we're kind of looking and saying, if life has kind of hit a cycle, a circular motion, it's a dog that chases its tail, and you're at a point like in the new year, you know, the first of the year where you're like, I want to change, I want to be different, I want to do something else, and that list is the same list that you started with last year. You know, this is the year, this is the year that I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And you're looking at the cycles of your life and saying, as I have talked myself into it, as I've gotten the next list off of Instagram, as I've read the next guru's book, I keep winding up in the same place in my life again and again. We just started asking the question, well, what if there was a new idea? What if there was something different that could be infused? And what if that is a part of what Jesus was doing? When he says in John chapter 10, he says, I've come to give you life and life to the fullest. So I've come to give you salvation, forgiveness of your sin, but I've also come to give you kind of a life that you desire. And when I say that, I don't mean the new car and the new TV. I don't mean that nonsense. What I mean is like the fulfillment, the relationships, the eternal value, the relief from anxiety, the relief from stress, the freedom from sin, the breaking of addictions, like those things that frustrate you in life and that you want to be different are also things that God wants for you. And the power of who Christ is and what he can do in you and through you is a part of what breaks those things out and breaks those things free in our, in our life. And we just said, if we're not there, but we wanna be there, maybe there's a different path. And the understanding or the path that we've been taking, if it's leading you back into that cycle, what if we introduce some new ideas or truths that Jesus would teach us about? So we started talking about that, and, uh, and we looked at Matthew chapter 6, and that's actually where we're going to hang out this weekend. So if you've got a Bible or your phone, Matthew chapter 6. And we looked at Matthew chapter 6, and Jesus kind of describes that life a little bit. And he's like, hey, uh, don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink or what you're going to wear. Don't worry about tomorrow. Uh, have greater faith. Trust your Father. Wouldn't that be great if you could live life that way? And he kind of paints this appealing picture of like, man, it would be great if life would function that way. And then what he does is he leans into kind of a key that unlocks some of that stuff. And, and this is what he says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. He says, the key to this is to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. All these things you long for and need and want, the deeper stuff, will be given to you as well, but it comes from seeking first the kingdom and seeking first his righteousness. And we just said that's, that's a first things first life. 
uh, when I put Christ first in my life, uh, when I put Christ at his place, uh, the Bible in Colossians calls it his place of supremacy. He's supreme over all things. He is the way and the truth that I'm looking for and that I'm embracing. When I seek that first, all these things that we long for kind of on this deeper level are, are tied to that and result from pursuing that path. And the term that we put on that was just this idea of saying a, a predetermined yes. And a person who is a, a kingdom seeker, somebody who seeks first, is a person who just says yes to God. And no matter what the question, no matter what the direction, no matter what the instruction, I've predetermined in my life that I'm going to say yes, right? So yes, God, now what's the question? Yes, God, now what's the plan? Yes, God, now what's the instruction? And a person who seeks Christ first kind of lives that way. We say yes, and then we allow Christ to walk us through kind of the ramifications of that yes. But the promise is, the outcome is, I'm going to wind up breaking these cycles and breaking these, these chains in my life, and I'm going to wind up living the life that Christ wants to give me. So we started talking about that. Pastor Joe jumped on it last weekend. Uh, that's on the website. It's on the app. This weekend, I want to take us another step further in this, and, and I want to show you something uh, that Jesus says that I think is this wildly profound but simplistic statement that has massive ramifications on our lives. I said a couple weeks ago, uh, if you don't want your life disrupted, you don't want to listen to these conversations. Uh, because the stuff Jesus says, he's going to lean into what I believe are the three biggest areas that we struggle with, or the three biggest idols in our life, things that take first place instead of Christ taking first place. And so he's going to lean into these three things, and these three things are wildly intrusive, they're disruptive, you're not going to be able to like unhear what Jesus is about ready to say. So you're either going to say a predetermined yes or you're going to be kind of fighting against the truth of what he says uh, right here this weekend and the next couple weekends. So if you don't want that, I'm just giving you fair warning. If you, you want to duck out of service, then go get the kids, get some coffee, go potty. I don't care what you got to do. Like, I'm just telling you, and if you're watching online, just, I don't know, kick over and start looking at stuff on Facebook if you're over 50, and Instagram and other things if you're younger, okay? So I'm just, I'm just saying, like, that's what's going to happen here, okay? That's what's going to happen. This disruption that Jesus is going to bring into your life, though, is the new idea, and if your life needs to move in a different way, he's going to bring something up that you probably haven't really considered before, or maybe not on a deep level, and these are the things that he's going to lean into, okay? So the one I'm going to show you this weekend is very much like this. It's one of the most instructive things you're going to hear. Uh, it's one of the most practical things I think Jesus says. It's kind of easy to understand, a little bit hard to get your mind around, but his words are easy to understand. If you embrace it, it will radically reorient your life. And it's a truth that's going to remove what I think is one of the three biggest obstacles in our relationship with God. Okay, so here it is. Jesus says you want to have this life. This is what you desire. It's tied to seeking first the kingdom of God. So I'm going to put Jesus in first place in my life. 
One of the first places I'm gonna put him first place is in one of the biggest obstacles of my life. And this is what he says to do with it, ready? He says this in verse 21, Matthew chapter six, verse 21. He says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. He prefaces this in verse 19 and he says this, he says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths, uh, where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. And Jesus lays out this very simplistic sentence that has massive ramifications that I think we should probably try to think about here for the next few minutes, okay? What Jesus says and how he says it is important. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. He says this and he says it in a certain order that's important. He says, your treasure, wherever your treasure or what your money is, wherever your money is, there your heart will be also. He does not say where your heart is, you'll invest your money in it. He says where your money is, your heart's gonna be. And he's looking at us and he's saying, guys, something that you need to know about yourself that we don't always think about about ourselves is that my heart is led by my treasure. My heart trails my treasure. And where my money goes, that's where my heart goes. Now, most of us don't think that way. Uh, what, how we think, I think this way, maybe you're different, but how I think is this. Well, the things I love is the things I'm going to spend my money on. So I got to get my heart at a certain place. And if I have a passion for the poor, a passion for uh, human sex trafficking, a passion for the, the advancement of the gospel, I got to like work my heart up to that and if I work my heart up to that passion and I'm given the right vision and I'm compelled in the right way, then I will make a three-year commitment and, and I will put my money into that place. And that's how I would tend to think about things on my own. I would tend to think, well, if I can just get myself dialed into that, then I'll give my money to it. You gotta motivate me to kind of get my money to go to that place. What Jesus says is very fascinating, it's very different, he says, actually, it kind of works the other way. What you put your money into is where your heart is gonna wind up. So your treasure leads the heart and the heart trails the treasure. And he would look and say, if you wanna understand something different about yourself, start to understand that, right? The heart and the treasure are absolutely connected. The treasure reveals where my heart is. It shows me. In other words, Jesus would look and say, uh, tell me what you're passionate about. I'm passionate about Christ. I'm passionate about kids. I'm passionate about young adults. I'm passionate about the poor. I'm passionate about the homeless. I'm passionate about uh, uh, recovery. That, those are things I'm passionate about. Jesus would look and say, are you sure you're passionate about it? I'm absolutely passionate about it. It drives my life. He might look and say, okay, then... Show me the money. Let, let's go look at your checking account 
and let's see if you're being honest with yourself. Because if your treasure is not matching your words, then your heart isn't where you think it is. And when you think about your relationship with me, this becomes a critical thing. Because I'm after your heart. I want your heart. I want you to love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I want you to love your neighbors yourself. And I can show you, Jesus might say, the reality of your heart by showing you the math on your treasure. And when you start to think about that, and you start to think about your relationship with money, and how money plays a part in your life, this starts to make more and more sense as you kind of download the order in which Jesus says these two things happen. If you stop for a second and think about the frustrations of your life, the anxieties of your life, the distraction of your life, the sin that you struggle with in life, how many of those areas or either surrounded by money or facilitated by money. When you think about anxiety, think about how much of your anxiety is surrounded by money. When you think about the stresses of your life, think about how much of the stresses of your life are surrounded by money. When you think about addictions, how much are the addictions in your life fueled by money. When you think about distractions, how much of the distractions of your life are facilitated by money? Think about your independence from God. Think about how your prayer life functions when there's a lot of money in the bank and how your prayer life functions when you're desperate financially. When you think about your independence from God, how much of that is facilitated by Money, And when you, when you start to think about, and you start to lean into, like, why would Jesus even lean into this? Because money, we sometimes treat it like an add-on to our faith. Why would he make it a core part of our faith? When you start to think about how we interact with money, money is at the core of what we do for the Lord oftentimes, and it's really at the core of what we don't do. It's at the core of a lot of the positive things in our life, and it's at the core of most of the negative things in our life. And Jesus is helping us to get our head around that a little bit, and he's looking at us and saying, I want you to read this, and I want you to understand this. If you want to have an honest view of your heart, then just take an honest measurement of your treasure. And where this is, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Where this is not, that's where your heart is not. Regardless of what you say is a priority or a passion in your life. If your treasure isn't tied to it, then that passion, that priority is all talk. Because the treasure leads the heart. Right? To where you put your treasure is where your heart is gonna go, right? And when you think about that, when you think about the things that you struggle with in life, 
You think about relational breakdowns, you think about the way things could be, think about your definitions of happiness, think about your definitions of security, think about your definitions of safety, think about faith, think on and on and on and on. When you get down into the root of that, you're often gonna find those things surrounded by or facilitated by money. This is why the Apostle Paul says this. He says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Now listen, this is what he did not say. He did not say that money is the root of all evil. That's a misquote of this verse. That's not what he said, because money is a tool. He says the love of it, the position of your heart is the root It's the root of all kinds of things that cause us to move away or be pushed away from God. And money is a huge part of our life and it's why it consumes our thoughts and it consumes our decisions and it's why we look to it for hope, we look to it for strength, we look to it for security, we look to it for happiness, we look to it for fulfillment, we look to it for value, we look to it for worth. And we find all of that, or think that we can find all of that in money. Ready? Now this is what happens. When I interact with my money that way, and I'm saying if I had enough money, I would be happy. If I had enough money, I would be valuable. I look at other people. Because you have too much, I think you're this. Because you have too little, I think you're this. I look to money for security. If I had enough money, then I wouldn't worry. If I had enough money, then I wouldn't. It's at the root of all of those things. Because we're consumed by that and driven by that, what happens is this. Money becomes first place in our life. Because I'm turning to money to solve and satisfy the parts of my heart that only Christ can satisfy. I'm going to feel safe if I have this much money. Well, wait a minute, I thought Christ was our provider. If I could clothe myself, feed myself, and have enough to drink, Matthew chapter six, then I would feel like I'm good in life. Well, wait a minute. God does that for us. If, if I had enough money, then I would be obedient to God with my money. Well, wait a minute, I thought we wanted our faith to grow. If I, if I could have money or do these things, I would feel satisfied and fulfilled in my life. Well, wait a minute, I thought Christ was our satisfaction and our fulfillment. So money takes first place in our life. And it takes first place in our life and we're gonna obey that and respond to that and interact with that above Christ. We We will very, very quickly disobey and ignore and walk away from the things of Christ if it means satisfying the money itch in our life. And when we do that, when money takes first place, Christ takes less than first place. And the Bible would teach us that anything that is greater than Christ in our life, the Bible would call an idol in our life. I'm looking to something else to act as God in my life, to do things in my life that only God can do. And now what I'm doing, whether I mean to or not, is I'm installing and worshiping an idol. And God, one of the first things he tells us, tells humanity is, listen, there's no other gods before me. It's gonna take you down a path that you're gonna hate. Don't worship an image, don't worship a thing. It's gonna leave you empty, it's powerless. 
And when I install an idol in my life and I remove Christ from that place of supremacy, now I'm worshiping and following something that the scripture said ultimately is gonna lead to my, to my spiritual death. So why does Jesus care about money? Because he knows that it becomes idolatry and that's gonna lead us away from his heart and lead us away from the place that we wanna be and that he wants us to be. I was in uh, Haiti a few years ago. We were, we were just opening up um, our works in Haiti that we do as a church. So we have a church there and a village that we work with and some medical work and all things that you guys support with your giving. But we were like starting all that a few years ago. And so I went down to Haiti with some guys and we were like investigating it, trying to figure out you know, where to start all these kind of things. So we, uh, we went down there, I was hanging out with this missionary, doing a great work. He's got a school and a medical clinic and a church and just kind of hanging out with him, trying to figure out how to you know, push all that forward. And he was driving me around like the area to show it to me, we're talking. And as we were driving around, I noticed that um, like in these fields, kind of by the road, there were like these little, I don't know what the, they're like little, like little huts kind of a thing, but they were only like three feet tall and they were like all along the roads and you would see one every whatever feet, you know, they were all over the place. And so I asked the missionary, I was like, what are those things? You know, cause there'd be like this hut and there'd be like some stuff inside of it. And like, what is that? And he said, oh, he goes, those are altars. Those are altars. And in that part of Haiti, uh, the people do a lot of voodoo. And he says, so those are like basically altars to basically like voodoo gods or voodoo causes. And he says, what will happen is every family will kind of have their voodoo God or voodoo thing that they key into and they'll build that altar kind of in front of their home and it identifies their family. And then in that altar is whatever they believe that is required for them to, to be blessed by the gods and the spirits and those kind of things. And you just see them all over the place. And it's the core of their religion. It's what they lean into for protection, for security, for social standing, for all of it. You'll see these voodoo altars. And I said, uh, I said, how does that play out as a missionary when you're teaching them that there's, there should be no other God before Christ and that Christ is supreme and you literally don't worship idols and build altars to another God? Like it's straight out of the Bible. And he said, he goes, you know, it's very, very interesting. He said, it's, he said in some ways it's helpful. I said, okay, explain. Uh, he, said, uh, he said, what I found is this. Many people who accept Christ here, um, what they do is they accept Christ and they almost add them to their, their, their catalog of gods. And some version of Jesus or the cross will show up in those voodoo altars. He said, other people who accept Christ are leaving their father, their mother, they're going all in on Jesus and, and they, their conversion or their trust of Christ is very, very genuine. He said, the way that I'm able to tell is when you accept Christ, one of the first things I say to you is, let's go tear down your voodoo altar. Let's go tear down your false God and destroy it. And he said, how people respond to that helps me to know whether they're serious about Christ. Because people who say, whoa, wait, 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 wait. Leave that part of my life alone. That's my family, that's my value, that's my security. 
I'll just add Jesus to it and it won't really disrupt my life. He said, that's how I know that they're not really ready to truly follow Christ. The people who hop in the truck with me and go to their family property and tear down this false God, this altar, that's how I know that they're serious and passionate about actually following Christ because they will destroy the thing that's core to their life regardless of the influences in their life. My observation as a pastor is there's basically three idols that that people hang on to It's the hardest parts of our life to let go. And one of those three idols is money. It's one of the very, very last things that we will give Jesus supremacy over. Because we depend on it. And we'd almost rather trust money then really release ourselves into the faith and to provision and to the full fellowship of Christ. That's why Jesus cares about money. He doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. And he knows what's standing oftentimes in between your heart being connected to his heart is your treasure. And he would look at you and say, because you, you might say, that's not true. And he said, well, show me the math. To show me the math, because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And you can look at that and you can understand that, okay? Now, when we talk about this, I, wa- I wanted to try to help you with this, not just like tell it to you. So what I did was I put together <clears throat> a little test that you could take, and I'm gonna walk you through it here in a minute. You don't, you, you, don't ha- you don't have to tell me the answers, you're just gonna tell yourself. But before we take this test, I think we need to establish that this conversation pertains to everybody. Because this is what happens. Somebody who is rich, do you know who a rich person, you know how to define a rich person? A rich person is anybody in your life that has more money than you do. That's what a rich person is. So if you have a mindset, well this applies, yeah Jeff, tell the rich people, they need to be paying for things, right? Well, that's just somebody who's got more money than you. What happens is you hear something like this from Jesus, you'll look and say, well, I don't have a lot of money, so Jesus isn't talking to me. So I just want to uh, abolish that argument real quick. So let's do a survey by the raise of hands. Raise your hand if you drink clean water today. Coffee counts. Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you slept inside last night. Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you will eat more than one meal today. Raise your hand. Even if you're on a diet, the the diet bars count. Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you have a change of clothes. Raise your hand, all right? Uh, Raise your hand if you came here in a car. Raise your hand if you didn't walk to church, okay? Here's one for everybody. Put your hand down. Raise your hand if you have a cell phone in your pocket or out and you were looking at Instagram while I was talking. Uh, you're okay. Raise your hand if you're a liar. Okay, all right. So if you, <laughs> thanks, Joe. Like ra- raise your. If you have a cell phone, raise your hand. If you have a computer, raise your hand. Okay. What that means, just by the simple fact that you have those uh, those things in your life, those possessions, that means you're in the top one percent of wealthiest people in the history of humanity. So raise your hand if Jesus is talking to you. Okay. 
Average yearly income in Haiti is $1,400. Teenager, if you have a cell phone and a laptop, you have double the yearly income of somebody in Haiti in your pocket and in your backpack. Raise your hand if Jesus is talking to you, okay? So we're all wealthy. All of us are wealthy. So the question isn't, how does this apply to somebody else? Because somebody's rich if they got more money than you. Somebody has a super nice car if their car is nicer than yours, okay? The question is, is money an idol in my life? Has it taken first place as opposed to Christ? Okay, here's a little test. You don't have to raise your hand for this one, but I will look at you knowingly because I know the answers to some of these in your life, okay? Here's a little test for you, ready? I can self-diagnose, this is for you to self-diagnose, whether money is in a first place in my life by asking these questions. Here's first one. Um, Is my lifestyle impacted by my spiritual calling in any way? I'm a Christ follower, I'm all in, I believe in Jesus, he's the king of my life. Show me the money, Jesus might say. And if my lifestyle is not impacted by Christ's calling on my life, I might be dealing with money as an idol. Here's one. Um, When I have a number that if achieved will allow me to begin to be generous. Jeff, if I was making six figures, if I, if, I was, if I had, you know, half a million in the retirement, then I would be freed up. I'm like, okay. We all just agreed we're in the wealthiest 1% of people in the history of humanity. So what are, what are we waiting for? You might be dealing with an idol in your life. When our passions are not incorporated into our budgets. I'm so passionate about human sex trafficking. Well, show me the money. I'm so passionate about the proclamation of the gospel. Show me the money. I'm so passionate about young, this, this, this next generation, man, what they need to know. All right, I'm, I agree. Show me the money. If it's not in the budget, I might be dealing with a, an idol. When your possessions have become a burden, you might be dealing with an idol. I gotta, what'd you do this weekend? I had to clean out the garage. Why'd you have to clean out the garage? So I could reorganize the garage. Why did the garage need to reorganize? Because I gotta get more stuff in the garage. You know, if you go to your closet and you're shocked you still have that shirt. When your possessions become a burden. When your time is consumed by entertainment but your opportunities to be generous are excused by being broke. The movies cost, the concerts cost, Chipotle really cost, okay? So what, Jesus is like, show me the money. Like, I don't have any money, but but I I mean, you you went to the Cavs game. You don't have any money, but you had like three beers. That's that's like $400. (laughs) So he's he's just saying, no, I'm, I'm just telling you, like, look at yourself, like, Look where your treasure is. Uh, when I'm defensive or offended when someone teaches Jesus' heart and mind about money. Because uh, if I taught you something else that you thought applied to somebody else, you'd be like, sick them, Jeff. Right? But when it hits us, I'm like, it's just what Jesus says. Right? When I'm buried in consumer debt 
I'm trying to fill something in my heart and life that's meant to be filled by Christ, probably an idol. Here's a big one. When my generosity has not increased with my income, because you had a number that you could achieve and then you got the number and you got it, but it went into another payment, another thing, another, God blessed you like you asked him to. When I take from God's people but don't invest in them financially. Game day's great. Boy, that youth ministry. How about those young adults? When I'm part of the wealthiest people in history and I still think I'm broke. Because we're not. Right? And when we start to think like that, and we start to see these patterns and these passions in our life, we're probably not dealing with a financial issue, we're probably dealing with an idolatry issue. Where we're looking for money to do in our lives what only Christ can and will do in our lives, right? Jesus, when he makes this statement, He's just lovingly facing us with this. He's like, listen, there's very easy math on this. Wherever your treasure is, just look at the money, there the desires of your heart will also be. Wherever this is, this is. Right? Now, one side of this is I, I warned you to go get coffee, and you sat here, right? So one side of this is very disruptive. It, you're, you ha, you're not gonna be able to get away from it, especially if you go to Chipotle this afternoon. Like you're, you're just not gonna be able to get away from it because now you heard it. You can't, you're not gonna unring that bell because Jesus says it so clearly. He's like, yeah, just look at these two things. They're always connected. And the second you disconnect them, you're walking, you're walking further away from me instead of closer to me. So show me the money. So one side of this is very, very convicting, ready? The other side of this is incredibly helpful because this is one of the things that in scripture, that this doesn't happen a ton in scripture, but Jesus, while kind of giving us a sentence that kind of convicts us, he also gives us the solution to our problem in the same sentence. And it's, it's absolutely incredible that he would do this. So what he says is, your treasure and your heart are always in the same place, ready? So when I look at the money and I'm like, my treasure's nowhere near the passions of God's heart. My treasure is not invested in the cause of Christ. My treasure is not invested in the love of people. Like it's me, 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 it's stuff, 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 whatever your issue is. The money reveals my heart. Jesus is like, right, that's good math. Here's the good news. If you wanna move the heart, move the treasure. If you wanna move the heart, move the treasure. So when I'm struggling with a heart issue, I'm struggling with selfishness, I'm struggling with greed, I'm struggling with pride, Jesus would be like, I can help you with that. What should I do? Move the money. Because the heart follows the treasure. Move the money. If, I, if I'm struggling with anxiety and I'm struggling with stress, I'm struggling with worry and I'm struggling with faith and I'm struggling with certainty, Jesus is like, yeah, move the money. It, it, it'll, it'll alleviate all of that. Your faith will grow. Your worry will decrease. Your anxiety will change. Your insecurity will be better because you're trying to buy your way out of a heart issue and you can't do that, but you can move the money and the heart 
will also be there. And when I move the money and I change my relationship with money, it moves the heart and it changes my relationship with God. Uh, Last night at Saturday services where people who love Jesus the most come to church and we also discount your tithe. I was talking to this lady and after first service, she came up to me. She about attacked me. I, I thought security was going to tase her. And, and she came up. She goes, I got to tell you something. I'm like, oh boy, oh boy. And she goes, you're so right. I was like, you know, I just assume everybody thinks that. But thank you for that. And she goes, I did this about two years ago. And I was like, before I taught you to do it? And she's like, yeah. She goes, I did this about two years ago. And she said, I shifted. I was like a workaholic, I shifted what I was doing, I changed what I was giving, and it caused me to put my time. So I always said I had this passion for homeless people. I never had the time or the money to do anything with it. I created the time, I invested the money. She said, now I spend every Monday with homeless people. And she said, I am happier, healthier, less depressed, more active than I have been in a decade. What'd she do? She just moved the money. And her heart went with it. And now her heart is tied to something that Jesus would deeply care about. The least of these, the needy, the poor, every book in the Bible talks about that. She just aligned her budget with the heart of God. Her heart went there. And so much of the stuff changed because the root of it changed. The root of her greed changed. The root of her anxiety changed. The the root of her lack of faith changed. And that's the upside of what Jesus is teaching here. He's like, you can actually affect this. You can affect this. And you start investing your money in things that have eternal value. That's what he was saying in verse 19. You invest your money in things of eternal value. Things that Jesus cares about. The gospel, the, 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 pro, the proclamation of the good news to the poor, people, the poor, the underprivileged, the, those who don't have access to justice, your grandma, your family member, your friend that needs help. You shift that around and your return on that investment changes dramatically. You take the $15 that you're gonna drop on a burrito and you invest that in somebody's life and the return on that investment into your life is gonna be massive. Because you realize I actually helped somebody. The same tool, this money, that can pull me away from Christ and make me independent, cause me to fuel my sins and addictions and cause me to be distracted, that same tool, you just move the money. That same tool can be a source of joy as I help somebody, a a way to facilitate compassion, a way to make the gospel move forward, a a way to express love to somebody, a a way to, to bring a smile to somebody else's face. And the return on that investment is gonna far outweigh even a burrito with guacamole on it. And Jesus is looking at us in, in a loving way. He's like, yeah, I, I, I need to lovingly like show you guys you're in these cycles because that's what the love of money always produces in somebody's life. But you can break the cycle. And this one is kind of measurable. See? 
that when you store up those treasures or you invest them in things that are eternal, right? That's what people who seek first do, then all this stuff's gonna be added unto you as well. And the issues of the heart and the issues of the soul and the issues of the emotion, they're gonna be met and changed and healed and altered because you tore down an idol. You tore down an idol and you caused me to be in first place in your life. I'm gonna ask the band to come out and, um, and give us a minute and kind of give us some space. And I, I want, I ask you to pray with me. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? And I want us just to work on this for a second before we get back into the busyness of our day. Jesus, in this moment, would you meet us? Through your Holy Spirit, would you minister to us and bring your word deep into our hearts? And would you just uh, engage us individually here? I encourage you to ask Christ through his Holy Spirit to point out areas where money is an idol in your life. Areas of greed, areas of trust, of hoarding, of jealousy. Areas where you have looked at Christ and said no to him and yes to money. And if you're willing, ask Jesus to help you turn from that or repent of it and to grow your faith and to lean into him. And now I'd encourage you to kind of flip that coin over and ask Jesus to give you vision and passion for what you could invest in eternally. People that need love that you could express love to. Friends that need help. The oppressed and the innocent that need rescued. The cause of Christ. And just ask him as you put him in first place. to define and to direct what are really his resources to the places that are close to his heart.
And Jesus, as we do that, would you add these things to us as well? Would you, would you add the calm and the peace and the joy and the fulfillment and the purpose and all, all these things that we need, the freedom of sin, the breaking of cycles? And would you help us, Jesus, just to surrender an idol to you raise you up in your proper place and bring and live all of our life through you and, uh, and your calling and will. Help us to seek first.